I'm Joseph. And I'm Nick. And this is Fish Jelly. Mm. How are you? Good, how are you? Sleepy. Mm -hmm. We normally record Sunday during the day, Mm -hmm. but it's Saturday night after 9 p.m. Yeah. Which is late for me. Yeah, it's hard for you. We're doing that because I leave for a cruise tomorrow morning. Mm-hmm. So I have a number of things I need to get done. As I said, it's hard for you. Yeah. Uh, but it's been a busy week. Mm-hmm. My birthday was on Monday. Yes. Your family visited. Mm-hmm. So that was nice. Yep. Had a dinner. You got two homemade cakes. I got two cakes. So Nick made me a lemon raspberry cake so lemon cake with raspberry cream cheese frosting per your request yes. and nick's sister made me a salted caramel chocolate cake mm-hmm. which was very good as well the frosting was like butter it was buttercream right uh i'm not sure but it was like a salted it was salted caramel dribbled on top of the and then there was caramel drizzled on top homemade yeah that was really good Mm -hmm. so which i just had some of the last spoonfuls of i had lost about 10 pounds before they arrived and i certainly gained them all back while they were here for four days so (laughs) but it was lovely uh but that's it uh yeah just busy and uh we did record one there will be two videos that drop this coming week while i'm gone Mm mm-hmm and then we're doing this podcast. Yeah. So things just keep on rolling. Moving on to RuPaul's Drag Race UK Series 3, Episode 6. Series 3? I think in the UK they call them series, not oh. seasons. Okay. Oh, look at you. Yeah. Uh, this episode was The Snatch Game. Which is everyone's favorite, except for foreign markets, because I never know who these people are. (laughs) I didn't know who many of the people are. I only knew one, I think. Well, Nigella. Nigella Lawson. The rest, I had no clue. Wait, wasn't there somebody? No, I I don't think so. Uh, I know Gemma Collins. Oh, sure. Was someone who's been done before, but I don't know who that is. Um, Oh, from the reality no, TV Macaulay show. Culkin. Macaulay Culkin. Macaulay yeah. Culkin is one of the Snatch Game oh, contestants. That was hard. This episode was interesting because last episode RuPaul didn't name a challenge winner and then blamed it on herself, mm-hmm. saying that she didn't provide them with enough guidance. So this episode, RuPaul spent a lot of time in the workroom advising everyone on what she thinks would be better for them. Which was bizarre. Which was bizarre, um, but it was because of her input, uh, Scarlet Harlot decided to do Macaulay Culkin because RuPaul thinks he looks like Macaulay Culkin, but it's like there's only really one reference from Macaulay Culkin, and it's the first home alone when he puts the aftershave on his face and is like... that. You mean there's only one reference he engages in? I think there's only one reference when you think about Macaulay Culkin and it's Home Alone. Like, that's it. I I like Macaulay Culkin and he's had a great career. But, I mean, in modern times, I know he does like the Happy Socks or something thing. Well, yeah, there was something. And then he, Party Monster. Party and, Monster and Saved and... Like him in a wheelchair. So I think there could... But then because Scarlett did it on a whim, like at the last minute, 
he wasn't super prepared. He did okay, though. But you can tell he's done Macaulay as a child because he had that whole thing memorized. He had all of Home Alone memorized. So it, it worked well enough. I thought it was kind of grating. And then Elva Day switched his character to be Nigella Lawson. Mm-hmm. And he won. And was pretty And I thought good. he was definitely top five, like, best Snatch Game. Yeah, it was really good. Because he had a very measured approach. Mm-hmm. Like, because Nigella is very, like, her rhythm is... Well, when you're sexy, you can be a little slower. Right. And he did such a good job. Especially because I don't think in drag, Ella Day is very sexy. So I thought it was interesting to see him do Nigella and actually be very sexy because mm-hmm. as his normal drag persona, he, he seems kind of like, cause he's kind of like a butch, not, he's not butch, but he's like a muscular guy and he is good looking. I think he, he paints older, but yeah, the way he paints and then his drag just, it reads older and not very sexy. But so. Bob, I think Bob, the drag queen referred to him as the Rose, but I think he's more interesting than Rosé. Because he seems authentic. I think he has more personality yeah. than Rosé. But I was super impressed. In the bottom were Theresa May, who Rue said, like, oh, this character you're doing, I feel like you could do someone else. And the other was, like, someone... It was someone not... Cher. It was Cher. Rue was like, you should do Cher, because, like, everything you say will be funny as Cher. But he chooses to do some other person. Margarita Prakatan. And River Medway, I don't even... River Medway did... A person from the same series as... Gemma Collins. Yeah. And he was just flat. I don't think he was bad. He He was just kind of boring. Well, because somebody else was not good. Oh, uh, who was uh, Crystal? Crystal Versace was... Was a character. Was a character of... Cindy the... Shop. Like, she works in a thrift shop. Yeah. But Graham Norton made a good point that doing someone else's character... Is really hard because like, someone's already made that fun. Like Jerry Blank. Right. It would be like someone trying to do Jerry Blank. Yeah. It's like, well, Amy Sedaris already killed Jerry Blank. Yeah, but so. Bob, Bob did that. He did Uzo Adobo as Crazy Eyes. But, but I think it takes a comedic talent or sure. a really strong sure. actor. But yeah, I mean. Because so Ben De La Creme did Old Girl from Harry Potter, right? He's Maggie Smith, not McGonagall. No, but isn't he playing Maggie Smith as her character from, like, another show? No. Oh, that's just Maggie Smith? He's just doing Maggie Smith, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm not familiar with her, but... um, Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, and then, of course, Lulu was one of the judges. And I know Lulu because I'm such a huge AbFab fan. During the the ads, you thought it was Olivia Newton-John. I'm like, something happened. I thought it was Olivia Newton-John. Well, you know, this is why I don't like a women of of her... Women of a particular age shouldn't wear bangs because it always feels like a cover-up and then it's like you're indistinguishable, especially when you get Botox and fillers and facelifts. It's like, well, you could be, you could be Patsy, Olivia Newton-John, Lulu, I don't know. But um, that was fun because Lulu has a strong personality. Yes. So she was giving critiques like she knew these bitches, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which were kind of off the mark sometimes. Mm -hmm. But... uh, the bottom two, Teresa and River Medway, lip sync to Lulu's song "Shout," which is not a very impressive song. It's not an impressive song, and I thought River Medway fit the vibe of the song, so I don't understand why there was a double elimination. Yes, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so I thought River Medway did a good job, and she totally looked like a 1950s, 60s, like what do you call them with the poodle skirt? The mm. there's a name for the 
that era of doo-wop. No. Is it? No, it's not doo-wop. But anyway, River definitely fit that. Because her hair, her outfit. Yeah. And then the moves she was doing. I thought she was kind of cute. I thought yeah. Teresa looked... Well, out of place. She was. She tried to take off her hair and the wig underneath it was <laughs> it not... It was just out of place. ...doing what it needed to do, but... Well, uh, Rusa and both of those bitches packing, I was surprised. I, yeah, I don't know. It's just... Rue's attitude has been like, you've had... Uh, you've had drag queens doing things on your reality show for seasons and se- upon seasons of that that's just crap and like now you're deciding to have now you want to have it's the inconsistency for me that's just really like it's like now this doesn't make, warning now, yeah like what is happening <laughs> anyway moving on to canada's drag race Ugh. man i just don't like i'm gonna say it every time brooklyn heights is just not getting better and the and oh and well this episode, they had to do another, um, like, skit, and it was called Screech. I don't understand what it was about. I didn't understand the characters. It was very long. And it was by far the worst um, acting challenge that we've seen, and the longest. It, was, it felt like it went on forever. It was very dull. It was very long. It was... Uh completely unremarkable in every possible conceivable and way. the characters the queens were given were some of them were a take on some of the drag race judges who it's like who cares who cares but then it's like but then the other ones weren't and then amanda bruegel is directing it and then she's all upset that the one playing her character from handmaid's tale hasn't watched handmaid's tale why would i what i came on to rupaul's drag race i'm not on like I'm not auditioning to be on Handmaid's Tale. Like, why would I have seen a show that has nothing to do with the show I'm competing on? And I didn't know you were going to be a judge. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Or maybe they did. I and mean, it just it, it, it just doesn't matter. It just... Who but it doesn't matter. Anyway, I didn't understand the challenge. I thought everyone did a... Like, it, it was just boring. Super long. In the bottom are Stephanie Prince and Cynthia Kiss. I don't recall either of those people. Uh, Cynthia Kiss was the one that had the Bruegel part. She's the one that can sing. Oh, okay. And She's then got one that little of, blonde mullet. One of the judges was Fifi Dobson, who one of the contestants refers to as like the original Rihanna. Yeah. Um, well, because she started younger. The bottom two lip sync to Fifi's song Ghost, which I did like. So that so the the best part of this episode was me discovering Fifi Dobson because I will look up her music. Well, she and then she gave this very emotional. Uh, Which seems so uh, egotistical because she's crying after they lip sync her song. And it's like, are you just really happy watching some people interpret your music? Uh, She seems like the type that has a lot of gay friends that she does a lot of hard drugs with. So I I believe... So kudos to her. I believed the the emotional... She's an ally. (laughs) But yeah, Canada's Drag Race, I just... The hardest part is watching Brooklyn give these girls critiques. Like, you need to have more personality. You need to push yourself. And it's like... That was you on your season of Drag Race, and you still don't have a personality. So they, Brad, is it Gorecki? Goreski? Goreski. Goreski critiques the one playing the caricature of Brooklyn in the skit, uh, Kendall Gender, saying like, Brooklyn's got a big personality. That bitch does not have a big personality uh, in any shape where she... Doesn't even come close to having a personality. No. Anyway, and then she has the gall because the one that they didn't, the one who dressed up as Marie Antoinette, 
in a really fun rendition of her because the 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 runway was Good Girl Gone Bad or whatever, yeah. and she did a nice take on Let Them Have Cake, and Brooklyn had to ask her how she pronounces her name. We're in the third episode. How are you asking how to pronounce my name? Yeah, that was. <laughs> So we can finally get it right. Is it Andrea or Andre? Like, bitch, three episodes and you need to ask me how to pronounce it. And my only name? because you're going to give me the top prize. Yeah. So otherwise you wouldn't have asked me that? I just, I'm not, I'm not impressed. No, not at all. Okay, moving on to movies of all sorts. There are a lot of them, so I'm assuming we're going to spend uh, quite a bit of time on these. No, I'll run right through them. Right, right, right through okay, them. Okay, films that were watched but not covered. First, we'll start with Sisters. Sisters. Oh, yes. Oh, this is going to be a very Isabella Johnny-heavy um, podcast, so just keep in mind. Uh, this I watched uh, and had to review for Ion Cinema. It stars uh, Isabella Johnny... And my Wen, and uh, I forget the third actress's name, Brackney is her last name, who are sisters. They're French Algerian, and they're undergoing all kinds of uh, familial conflicts based on uh, something to do with their brother that was abducted by their father 40 odd years ago. Uh, Hafsia Herzi also plays Isabella Johnny's daughter. Uh, it's a very interesting role, it, or a film. It's uh, the sophomore. Uh, film from Yamina Benguigui, whose first film, narrative feature, she's done other stuff since then, but her first narrative feature was in 2001 called Inshallah Dimanche, uh, which I remember being quite good. Uh, but if you're an Isabella Johnny fan, I think this is must-see. I think it's very interesting in how it talks about uh, Algerian identity uh, in France and how kind of tenuous that is because of the the history uh, between French and Algerians coming out of the Algerian War. Uh, I find it interesting that Mai Wen is in the film because she directed a movie last year called DNA that I thought was frankly quite terrible except for one fantastic sequence with Fanny Ardant uh, that is kind of mining a similar thing. But you didn't watch that, so we didn't cover it. Next is The Souvenir Part 2. Oh, I wish... I, you know, I would have loved if we could have made time to cover this. I saw this in Cannes. I was a fan of the first Souvenir, and I like The Souvenir Part 2 even more, starring Tilda Swinton, and really her daughter, Honor Swinton Byrne. Uh, that's kind of autobiographical on the part of Joanna Hogg, and it's just a fantastic film about love and drug addiction and filmmaking. Mm. Next, The Spine of Night. Uh, I didn't see this. I just want to shout it out. It sounded oh. like a very interesting... Um, well, it's been a very busy week for me, too. Uh, I wanted to cover this. It's an animated film uh, that I wanted to get to, but we didn't. Okay. Uh, Violet. Justine Bateman directed a film starring Olivia Munn. Also didn't get to that. Oh. But it opened this week. We're talking about films you haven't seen? Yes, because at this point, there was, there was just so much going on this week because of things. Uh, okay, I, well, I, I, I didn't realize we were doing that. Army of Thieves. Well, I would assume if we had time, you would have wanted to watch this. It's the prequel to uh, Army of the Dead, the Zack Snyder zombie film. Why would you think I'd want to see that? Because I thought you'd like the Zack Snyder film, because it's directed by... I've the, seen Army of the Dead? Yeah, it's with Dave Bautista in Las Vegas, the... Didn't we review that? Yes, this is the prequel to it that just came out on Did Friday. I give it a good review? 
I believe so. The guy, I don't think the so. The guy that directed it and who I believe is the lead is the character I thought you liked. The little... The German guy? The German. Okay, I did like him. Okay, so don't... But, don't come at me like I'm crazy. No, you like to take... You like to think that because I say I like someone in a movie that... Like this sub supporting character that I would want to watch a movie this person directed. Well, I don't know what else... Okay, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't think Army of the Dead was a great movie. No, I didn't either, and I also didn't make. So a... I, the prequel does not appeal to me. Oh, okay. Well, we but did, you watched we didn't it. Make, no, we didn't make time for it. Oh, okay. I didn't have okay. time. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, then moving on to movies you watched uh, that you didn't review, uh, Days of the Animals. This is like well, we had family here. Day of the Animals. Day of the Animals. Yes. Uh, I watched that. You were in and out of the room. I oh. Uh, William Girdler film. It's technically a sequel to Grizzly, which you did see starring Christopher George. Um, his wife is long uh, on, on the ride for this one, Linda Day George. It's not a good movie. Uh, a William Girdler film that I find very fun, though, is The Manitou. Uh, anyhow, this film, it was kind of taxing to sit through, but you do get Leslie Nielsen playing a terrible human being who does shout at Ruth Roman, you Beverly Hills bitch. Mm. So there was that. Um, yeah. Next is a movie called Wolf, which we watched because your mom bought this expensive, fancy new cat, and the cat's name is Pfeiffer. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, at Michelle Pfeiffer, why did you name her that? Oh, because she's in a movie where she transforms into a werewolf, and she kind of looks like, like the cat kind of looks like that character. So we watched this movie starring... Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. Directed by Mike Nichols, 1994. And I know I've seen this movie before. Mm -hmm. I probably saw it in the 90s. Oh, it's huge. It was a big movie. But um, we watched it. I didn't finish it, though. No, you went to bed. I went to bed. Because it was, you were tired. But um, all I will say, since I did watch this one, is it's funny. I mean, Nack, Jack Nichols, Nack Jickelson has never looked fresh. The last time he looked fresh was in the late 60s, yes. He didn't look fresh. He just was younger. But I don't think he's ever looked, like, fresh and good. But um, it's funny to see him in the early 90s because his character um, is bit by a wolf mm -hmm. and then transforms into a werewolf. So, of course, he has, like, um, heightened abilities and he feels better. So it's funny that they try to make him look... Because he looks ragged and haggard mm -hmm. like jack nicholson just looks bad so then it's like him running the best part of the film is jack nicholson running because he's supposed to be kind of like on the prowl yeah, yeah so he does this thing with his shoulders that i thought worked well but it's just like i think this movie could have used it it would have been much more effective if they had a more attractive male lead sure could sort of look like he is in his prime like once he gets bit and then also because there's sort of like a, a romance between he and, and Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. But you know. And then it makes no sense because Michelle Pfeiffer's character comes from money and of course is gorgeous. And then we get the sense that she's only talking to Jack Nicholson's character initially to upset her father. Played by Christopher Who he Blumber. works for. But it's like a woman who looks like that, who is not desperate, it just makes no sense that she would take any interest in a man 
who looks like this character. I agree, but I thought the same in 87 when he played the Satan, Daryl Ann Hornet, which is of Eastwick, with Michelle Pfeiffer and Cher and Susan Sarandon and all these women. Well, this is why I just like watching, even in real life, when I see like, do, like unappealing dudes like trying to like holler at women, like like beautiful women, it's just so gross. I mean, in general, people being approached and catcalled and... Is not appropriate if it's unwanted, but it's really gross to me when it's just like, dude. Sure. Under what circumstances would this lady want to be with you unless she were beyond desperate? Sure. But And that's how I feel seeing all these characters in movies, like these men who are just like, if you weren't a celebrity, that lady wouldn't look twice at you. Right. But so, yeah, that doesn't make sense. And the narrative of Wolf, upon her, I haven't seen it since the 90s, is pretty slim. And I don't know... Even just watching it, Michelle Pfeiffer doesn't transform into a werewolf. So I think my parents are mistaken. They think their cat looks like what Dee Wallace turned into at the end of The Howling. I think that's, oh. I think that's what they think. <laughs> they named their cat. I mean, Pfeiffer's a good name. Pfeiffer's a good name. And it is technically fitting because she does become a werewolf. I just We just don't see that tr- actual transformation in Mike Nichols' film. Uh, there was something else I wanted to mention about that, though. Well, I was going to say that I think... Like you said, the story's slim, and I feel like the more interesting part of the story, what what I was hoping for, because I didn't remember, was more focused on Jack's character sort of exacting revenge on the people who slept on him, because he's like a book agent he's or a publisher, publisher, and his, uh, what do you call it, protege... Sort of like James Spader underhands him or undermines him, and then uh, gets and, and James hand. Spader is also having sex, sex having with his an wife, affair with Jack's wife, played by the great Kate Nelligan. So I I wish the film focused more on now that Jack is like looking good and feeling gorgeous, that he kind of like got revenge on everyone. But instead, we spend quite a bit of time with him and Michelle Pfeiffer. And even though I really like Michelle Pfeiffer, it just felt like there was nothing happening. The best scene in that is when they're having PB&Js in her little cottage and he tells her the what's what about Oh, her. yes. that That is the best scene when he tells her, like, you know, the irony of being a beautiful woman who... I forget what he says, but he basically, like, tells her, like, you, you res- know... You resent that everybody only wants you because you're beautiful because they want to look past all... All your you want you resent that people don't want to know who you are as a person, but the only reason that they would look past your beauty is because you're beautiful. Well, so, no, look past your kind of petulance and your uh, brooding resentment. Like she's because she's not a she's an person. awful person. Yeah. So it's like the only reason people would tolerate your shitty personality to get to know who you are is because you're beautiful. Yeah. So he's so like, so your own, your your own problem. You're your own problem. <laughs> yeah, that was a really good scene. And of course, Jack Nicholson's a great actor. It's just. He just looks so crazy. He does. I, it made me miss him because it's been... I think I, during the pandemic I watched Ironweed, but I haven't... You know, he hasn't done a movie since 2010, so... Uh, which brings us to the next film. There were rumors that he was going to be in the American remake of Tony Erdman. Tony Erdman, happened. which I saw at a film festival? No, I took you to a press screening in oh. 2016 because I said, this is look, this is my favorite movie of the year. Don't look up anything about it, or the, especially the running time, and just please trust me and go on this journey. And, so and my, I've learned not to trust you, but I did go. And it's a wonderful fucking movie. 
I recall enjoying it. I couldn't tell you what it's about. I know there's a Whitney Houston song in it. I know that Tony Erdman is the dad and that he kind of bothers his daughter. It's the dad's alter ego. But I don't recall anything about the it's share. It's He's grown estranged from his daughter and he's just retired and his daughter's working in Romania. It's a German film. And she's completely like over him and so he dresses up as this crazy looking man with this b- bizarre teeth and wig saying he's Tony Erdman and he's a businessman and plays this bizarre game and was really kind of sharing his personal depression with his daughter who has her own personal depression and them kind of becoming reacquainted with one another in this funny absurd way sure yeah I mean I definitely recall it being uh, a, a good watch um, but so my mom and sister had not seen it so I made them watch it and, th- and they both liked it but it made it was weird because I think the way the father and daughter Sandra Hüller and Peter Simonischek uh, behave in that it felt weird watching it with my own mother who I probably have you know a, kind of a similar distance with my own parents mm. that would have been worthy of exploring but anyhow Next is a film called Threshold. Oh my god, I just put that on last night. That was terrible. Uh, but Arrow Video, you know, I get all these Blu-rays to review, and this came out several months ago, I never reviewed it. And it has a beautiful looking package from Arrow Video. Oh, this is the movie that's shot with the iPhone. It was shot on two iPhones over 12 days on a road trip. Yeah, I didn't know what you were doing because I was editing a YouTube video, but I was sitting in the room, and... I think because of the packaging, I thought this would be something interesting. Same. And then as it was playing, I'm like, what the fuck is this? This is so And you're crunchy. like, oh, it's shot with like iPhones and <laughs> the acting was crunchy. It's directed by Paul Robinson and Patrick R. Young. The two, My cousin. The two leads are look like Bargain Basement, Boyd Holbrook, and Mary Stuart Masterson. Oh my obviously God. from different eras. But... Uh, it's. I read that it was mostly improvised and God, you can tell this is why... This is why writers are important. This is why, what, what, what does Will Smith say as uh, Richard Williams? If you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You need a goddamn script, especially when you have no money and you're shooting on iPhones and you have actors that are, you know, not... Well, and I would think if you have a, if you have a limited budget, that also means you have limited time. So wouldn't it be more efficient yes. to have a working, at least a working script? I don't know anything about this movie, so I don't want to shit on it. It was but. terrible. I was, uh, even at an hour and 18 minutes, it felt incredibly long. And it does, for, once you know the parameters it was shot under, there is some level of impressiveness, supposedly. I just think that you see Arrow Video, whenever they have like a new release of a film, like... They, they have a great catalog of older films, but anything new, I get the sense that they're trying to be ahead of the bandwagon and anticipate what might become a cult status, like they were first on board with it, what might become a cult classic, instead of just recuperating old cult sure. classics. So I, I get the sense that Which this makes is, sense. Sure, but this is... Ugh. But this was a miss. It was tiring. All right, so moving on to projects of interest, you have five of them. So I can, the- they can be brief. Well, we'll see. So the first one is Silent Night. Yeah, John Woo is apparently doing a film with Joel Kinnaman. Is that Brokeback Mountain, man? Who made Brokeback Mountain? Ang Lee. Oh, oops. Girl. <laughs> wow. No, John Woo uh, 
has done many, many films. But the, the comment I was going to make, it's supposedly going to start Joel Kinnaman with no dialogue. And I find John Woo in English that's probably perfect because his English language movies like Face Off or Mission Impossible 2, the dialogue is terrible. So I rewatched Face Off within the last year. I know you did. It's terrible. Yeah. I don't recall, but... Continue, okay. please. Anyhow, uh, the next thing I had listed was Mindfall, Matthew Kassovitz. Well, wait, do you know what side? Is it a Christmas movie? No, it's like a thriller. That's oh. all I know. It's just been announced. <laughs> I don't know. All right, sorry. Next is Mindfall. Matthew Kassovitz, uh, actor, director, Line, Line, uh, Hate, uh, was his big breakthrough in the mid-90s with uh, Vincent Cassell. Uh, he's got a new thriller. He's directing called Mindfall, starring Daisy Ridley. Next is The Interpreter. Guy Ritchie. Okay, so... Wait, isn't there a movie with Nicole Kidman? Nicole Kidman and Shane Pencil. So they need to change this title. Not that that movie's considered great, but it was Sidney Pollack's last film. I think I've seen that Nicole Kidman movie more than once. Oh, I've seen it once. We own it. But uh, I remember thinking it was kind of dull. But, uh, yes, The Interpreter with Jake Gyllenhaal. That's boring to me. But I did really like Guy Ritchie's last film starring Jason Statham, Wrath of God surprisingly um so i'm sure we will be seeing it next empire of light sam mendez who i'm not like so on board with but he uh has... sean mendez's brother no 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 this is uh, a J- james bond brother. director uh revolutionary road anyhow uh his new movie is going to star olivia coleman which is exciting to me oh good lastly la nuit du 12 or do 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 or le nuit du do uh, well, I just posted a meme on my Instagram of like bottoms who say they know their bodies, mm-hmm. and then twenty minutes into bottoming, and then it's a picture of a clown, and the clown's name is Doodoo the Clown. <laughs> Doodoo the clown. Yes, no, I get it. I get it. Everybody has accidents. Do continue, please. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, but how do you say 12 in French? Deuze. Deuze? Deuze. Are you sure about that? D-O-U-Z-E. I mean, I'm sure my pronunciation is off, but that's... No, you would know more than I do, so... Uh, Fake it till you make it. Uh, Dominic Mall, who is a French genre film director I quite like, um, did a film with Charlotte Rampling in Gainsbourg called Lemming. Uh, What? Doo doo the clown. <laughs> oh God. Okay, well, he announced a new project with his usual scribe, G. Marchand. Uh, so exciting to me. Um, since it's the end of the month, Nick is going to run down his top five theatrical releases for October. Yes. In no particular order? No, they're in order, I guess. Oh, uh, they are? So then start with number five Mass. Uh, it was a Sundance film this year, starring Fran Cran, directed by Fran Kranz. Uh, great. I know I brought it up before. Martha Plimpton and Anne Dowd give great performances. I wish you had agreed to review it, but you did not. I did quite like it. Your number four pick is... Bergman Island. Uh, Return to form from Mia Hansen Love, starring Mia Wasikowska and Vicky Creeps and Tim Roth and Anders Danielson Lee. Saw it at Cannes this year. Uh, IFC released it this month. Number three, The Souvenir Part 2, which, which you've already spoken about. Which is talked about. about. Number two... Titan, which won the Palme d'Or at Cannes. We received a number of comments on YouTube asking us to review Titan. Yes, I told, I told you that I could get you into a press screening while I was in Venice. You did not follow through, so you have not seen it yet. 
No, but I have my own priorities. Mm-hmm. But it is excellent. And I won't be pressured to watch something I have no interest in watching. I don't know and why. And then when would... I asked what it was about, you wouldn't tell me. No, I did tell you about it. If you go I back don't remember. to our, Well, if you go back to our can rundown, you'll have a very But can you tell me now what it's about? You can go back to what we recorded. But I'm not interested. Okay, well then. But, I, me, but if you want me I to watch it. I can't tell you it, because you have a laptop in front of you where you could type in Titan and see what it's about. Right, but if you want me to watch it, can you just tell me in like a sentence why you think I would love it? Because it's like David Cronenberg meets John Carpenter's Christine. It's. A fucking fantastic movie. Mm. Number one, Possession. Which you watched. Which is not a new movie. No, but it was restored and re-released this month. Uh, directed by Andre Zulowski and starring Isabel Ajani. I would recommend Possession. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> to say the least. Alright, moving on to the obituary section. Colin Powell passed away this past week. Was it last this week or last week? I don't remember. Well, I, I could look it up. I think we recorded since. Yeah, I think we forgot to mention. He passed it last away week. on. Um, oh God, I feel bad that I don't know. Do you? It was in October. Uh, yeah, when did he pass? Oh, October eighteenth. So that was the previous week. Mm-hmm. We just forgot. Yeah. Well, he was the sixty-fifth uh, Secretary of State, and I. I did want to mention him because I think he is a good example of when I thought, you know, as a teenager and thinking about Colin Powell, and I remember people talking about like, you know, he's this black man who's like a Republican and Uh like people didn't seem to like him. And as an adult, I think like it's a good example of sometimes we have to do our jobs and our jobs extend beyond like, uh, like my example is how like, no, you know, like gays don't like to eat a Chick-fil-A. And I was reading this thing about how it's not a good idea to try to cancel like these large corporations because especially when they're franchised, like you don't know who owns the franchise just because the CEO of some corporation like supports some political groups that you don't like. It's like, but they have thousands of employees who don't support that. And if we cancel all of it, then they would all suffer. And I kind of think that way about Colin Powell, like he was just doing his job. That's right. Just like Condoleezza. Just doing his job. <laughs> and then the other thing I think about is he, he was, uh, he chaired this organization called America's promise, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe benefited like education with young people. And Janet Jackson was like a, like a figure in that. So I recall her in one of her concerts, which there's a DVD for like, like Colin Powell's in the audience and she talks about the donations and there are many pictures of her like donating money. I mean, yeah, we shouldn't think Republicans are automatically evil, maybe, but, uh, you know, uh, it's that those were, uh, it's just like, he's not evil. I don't think George Bush Jr. was evil. I think Dick Cheney was evil. Sure. But, you know, he uh, is the highly decorated service person and I think served honorably uh, in the military and for this country. Yeah. And it's sad that he died from complications of COVID-19. Um, but I think he had um, some sort of like blood cancer or like his immune system was weak. Wait, how old is he? Uh, Mr. Powell died when he was 84. I mean, you know. So he, he had a good run. I don't want to live to 84. I don't want to live to be 64. So okay. good for him. Uh, okay. 
So we have 24 minutes. This week's selection of like mystery movie was your selection. Yes. And you are currently like reworking a script. Yes. And there's a film that you sort of were using as like a reference point for a plot point. And the film is Diabolique, which the original film is French. From 1955. 1955, which you own on Criterion. Which is directed by Henri-Georges Clouseau, which is a fucking phenomenal film. But do you think I agreed to watch the 19-whatever Criterion film? No. I watched the 1996 remake starring Sharon Stone. And Isabella Johnny. (laughs) And and Chaz Chaz Palminteri. Chaz Palminteri, Kathy Bates, uh, Spalding Gray. Who else is in that? J.J. Uh, Abrams. J.J. <laughs> Abrams. I only have a few notes, but the basic story of Diabolique, the remake, is there is a like boys' boarding school that is owned by a husband and wife. The husband's name is Guy, played by Chaz Palminteri, and the wife, Mia, is played by Isabella Johnny. Mm-hmm. Okay. Guy is like a philandering man. And is having an affair with, like, multiple women, it would seem, including a staff member, a teacher at this boys' school, played by Sharon Stone. Nicole Horner. Nicole. Which was originated by Simone Signoret. Okay, right away we find out that Nicole and Mia have a plan to kill Guy. Mm -hmm. And they do. Mm -hmm. And then the bulk of the film is... Mia being paranoid that well, she's going to get caught or well, that guy's they, not dead. They they dr- they first they drug him with brown liquor in Nicole's they apartment. They drug the brown liquor, yeah. In Nicole's apartment in Pittsburgh. Uh and there's supposed to be some tension because one of her she's a landlady, one of her neighbors played by Shirley Knight almost overhears it. And but he's not dead. They drown him in the bathtub. They lug his body uh, in this big wicker basket back to the school, dump his body in the pool at the school and wait for it to surface and be found. Right. But I'm just trying to get the basic story. So they think they kill him. Mm-hmm. They dispose of the body in this pool, like you mentioned. When the pool is drained, we see there's no body. So then it's really escalated. Like Mia really thinks there's like something happening. But we find out that... Nicole and Guy had a plan to fake his death murder and Mia has a heart condition. Mm -hmm. So I think they were hoping that she would, because the opening of the film was her having like a little heart attack. So they're trying to like scare her ass to death. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't work. Uh, Guy ends up coming back and trying to assault Nicole and Mia because he realizes Nicole... Well, Nicole has a change of heart, and this is where the this remake differs, you know, wildly from the original. Is like she has this nonsensical change of heart, and so then he's trying to kill both of them. And then they kill him, the end. And Kathy Bates is this detective that has been hired who kind of condones the murder? Well, yeah. A lot about this story doesn't work for me. Did I find it entertaining... Enough. I would, you know, if it's like a Friday or Saturday night and you just want to stay in and watch some campy shit, I think this would satisfy. But I think it's not great storytelling. It's not. Um, what I will say is I really enjoyed the score by Randy Edelman. Uh, it, it's a score deserving of a much better written film. I think they also made the mistake of 
calling it Diabolique and modeling it almost too exclusively after this 50s film because they needed to update it to more 90s. It feels dated, it yeah. Because even Sharon Stone's stylings. Yeah, Sharon's outfits are very... She has a color palette, which is like green and red. And it's very like 19... Well, the hair. It's like very 1960s. Yeah. Including her hair. So yeah, it feels dated and... And then Mia, who, oh my who was Christina in the original, she's supposed to be the same. Because the original title was Le Diabolique, uh, The Fiends, where the husband and the mistress are fiends. And uh, the and their angelic, saintly counterpart is this Mia slash Christine character. And it just, it, yeah, it just doesn't make sense. They keep, there's, they, it's a belabored point that she's a nun. She grew up in the convent and she's, you know, they, they try to keep that saintliness about her. And I think if made, they had made her more of a modern woman. Uh, in the 90s, because I don't think a Johnny has a lot to do with the role. Um, oh, and then she is just like, I think she looks fantastic. I'm not sure what she's done to her face. I think whatever tire sealant Cher put in her face, I think Isabel has done the same. She, she looks, looks great. Puffy. But yeah. she looks puffy. But, but as compared to since you just saw Possession this week, you well, know, it's like, I mean, 15 years later. I, I wouldn't have recognized her if you hadn't told me yeah. it was her. Um, but, 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 but she does look great. And then we see a new. There's a scene where we see her nude and like, I mean, she looks fantastic. It's just clearly there's something going on with her face. Um, but yeah, that characterization was annoying because she's just so like meeble, meek meeble. and feeble yes. is my new word. She meeble. is a meeble. Uh, and you know, and then it's funny cause the earlier on she has these, cause their plot point is these spectacles that make her look like a Tim Burton character. Uh, yeah, even her wardrobe is like she's puritanical almost. And uh, the script for this one was written by Don Ruse, who in the 90s wrote a lot of great scripts like Single White Female and Love Field with Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't really love Boys on the Side, but he wrote that. Um, he's become a director of his own. I like Happy Endings and The Opposite of Sex. He's married to Dan Bukatinsky from Scandal. Oh. Yeah, so I think there are lots of like queer-ish moments and they try for this lesbian angle between the women that obviously Clouseau wouldn't have done in the 50s to the same extent. And I think that's where they're trying to get at the at Nicole Sharon Stone's change of heart, but it doesn't work. This was directed by Jeremiah Chechik, um, who in the late 80s, early 90s was kind of a budding director in American film. He did National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. He did Benny in June with Johnny Depp and Mary Stuart Masterson, who I can't believe is coming up twice in a conversation for me. Um, that's the one that has the I Will Walk 500 Miles song in the soundtrack. Okay. Uh, Tall Tale. Those were the films he directed right before doing fucking Diabolique. Like, he just doesn't seem like the right fit. And after this, he did a terribly received film, The Avengers, in 98, which is a rehash of that... 1960s film series and that kind of more or less ended his career as a director and he's worked almost exclusively in television since then uh, but I haven't seen this version of Diabolique since my parents got cable and HBO would have a new movie every Saturday night and this was happened to be one new movie that Saturday night and I remember my dad liking Sharon Stone in it and hating the movie I don't think the movie is garbage. I just think there were choices made that don't work. And overall, it results in sort of a hammy... It does feel hammy. Um, slightly camp... Perf like. Well, Sharon Stone feels very camp. And I like Sharon Stone. I think she, she does... I mean, it's just a weird character. And like 
choices, like these choices, but a few things that really didn't work for me are, you know, the big gag of the story is that Nicole and Guy were in cahoots, mm-hmm. but it doesn't seem like a surprise because the opening of the film is Mia having like a little heart attack. And when Nicole goes to check on her, she's in, there's no sense of urgency and she doesn't seem alarmed. Like, this bitch could live or die, I don't care. So then, as these weird things start happening, it's very obvious that, you know, Nicole may have something to do with it. Also, Nicole is having an affair with Guy, and Mia knows about it. Everybody at the school Everyone knows about it. Everyone at the it. school knows about it, and Mia and Nicole seem to have, like, a friendly relationship, which is interesting, but it also feels suspicious, like... What does Nicole have to have gain? Have to gain, yeah. Yeah, so I think, yeah, why would Nicole jeopardize potentially being, like, associated with, like, or charged with murder when really, I mean, the only thing I can think of is that guy made promises to her, like, if we can get Mia out of the picture, I'll own this school, and then you and I can get married. Right, but, so, she, I mean, but she doesn't bring that up. Instead, she brings but up she this, doesn't, but Yeah, but they don't bring it up. She brings up this money that she's like, he took this from the school accounts, it's 50K, uh, I found it while I was looking for the body. Let me split it with you. Like, I think that was her move to try to say, this is what she would have gained. But it's like $50,000. And then in the end, when Mia says, you need to leave, then the money, she gives the money back to her. Mm-hmm. Like, we find it in Nicole's purse. Um, yeah, I just, choices. Weird choices. Weird choices. Uh, Sharon Stone was nominated for a Razzie. The category was for the new serious Sharon Stone because remember, this was in 96, so a year, she, you know, the year previous was nominated for an Oscar in Casino. It's, it's, it's odd. It's really odd. It's odd, but it's weird because you can tell there's a lot of smart, it, it's like the wrong choices were made, but there was a brain behind there. It's like one scene towards the end where is like, it's all becoming aware Mia's becoming aware of what's going on. She's running through this hallway and she runs into a room and a very prominent book cover for Daphne du Maurier's The Scapegoat is apparent there. And it's like these choices, I mean, again, that'd be the set designer, but I don't know. It It deserves a viewing just because I think, well, you know, it's based on source material, so it's not like it's oh, that creative, but... That's the other thing. It's Pierre Boileau and Thomas Narsajak had written the original Diabolique, which Hitchcock had wanted to remake. Hitchcock wanted to remake that so badly, they wrote a story just for him, which ended up being Vertigo. Oh. And Vertigo, I think, is ridiculous. Um, if you really... If you rewatch Vertigo and really pull that apart, it's like, wow, this movie doesn't make any sense. A couple of additional notes I have are... Kathy Bates plays this detective, and she's kind of fun. She is fun. Because she's on top of it. Like, you're not going to pull a fast one on her. But then but then it seems like they do. Like, she... Well, no, they don't. She's suspicious of them, which she should be, because they are responsible for Guy's apparent death. But um, she... It's made clear that she is a breast cancer survivor, mm-hmm. and she is missing one of her breasts. Mm-hmm. And she chooses not to wear, like, a prosthetic or something. And then, of course, Nicole doesn't like Kathy Bates' character because she doesn't like this detective snooping around. And then she has an out... Nicole has an outburst where she says, I'm sick of all that in-your-face survivor crap. Implying... <laughs> she should wear a prosthetic. Right, implying that she should wear, like, 
chicken cutlets in her yeah. bra so she doesn't look lopsided. I thought that was out of control. Also, J.J. Abrams, who's a noted homosexual, right? Is he? Oh. I don't know that he's homosexual. Wait. He's a nerd. Who's the one who had all the sex parties? That's Brian Sanger. Oh, I confused Brian Sanger with J.J. Abrams. They look kind of similar with those glasses. Because that's who I thought it was when I said, oh, that's somebody. No, no, J.J. Abrams oh. is the one that's redone Star Wars and Star Trek, the one that William Shatner called the pig. I thought it was Brian Sanger, and then when there's calls- a scene where he calls them, where he calls me and Nicole Dykes, and yeah. I thought it was funny, like, oh, Brian Sanger called them no. Dykes, but it's not Brian Sanger. Nope, nope. Oh, well. Um, I would give Diabolique... Two and a half out of five stars. I would give it two. I think it's a waste of a Johnny who's great. I think Stone is fun. Kathy Bates, you, you know, if think back on the original, the original was very influential. And that character in the original was the basis for Columbo. Oh. So they don't, you know, Kathy Bates doesn't, it's just happenstance that it's Kathy Bates and she can bring the gravitas that maybe no one I enjoyed it enough it kept my attention enough it's just I really thought Isabel Ajani as Mia was annoying it's just like I don't think it's her fault though well but I've only seen her in two things and she's kind of off the wall in both of them well she's very good at playing a psychotic um story of Adele H and Camille Claudel her Oscar nominated roles are fantastic as well well that's all I have do you want to talk about anything else before we say goodbye uh, I'll be gone all of this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have to watch that Tom Hanks Finch all by myself. Lucky you. Um, I'm sure we'll record something for next Sunday because I return Sunday. I so, don't know what we'll talk about. Well, I'll probably talk about... The... Well, it'll be your turn to pick out a movie. You know, you could pick it... Well, you know, if you were smart. Well, actually, I don't know. Well, I am smart. So what are you going to say? I was going to say, never mind. You could take something to watch on. I don't think the boat has DVD players. I watched... And my, and my laptop doesn't have a CD-ROM. Oh, I see. I brought a laptop. The last one I went on with you, I brought a laptop that played DVDs. Yeah, I know. Uh, well, we'll see. I mean, un- unless there's like a, a movie on the boat, I could watch... Like if there's some bullshit movie. And then the tell boat. me to watch it? Sure. Well, there are movies. Like there's HBO and like... So yeah, maybe that's how I... we saw Aladdin last time. Well, actually, there's a movie I watched... Oh, we have 10 minutes. What's the girl from... Um, it. It, yes. The you, gr- there was, she did a Nancy Drew movie. She did a Nancy Drew movie and I was into that shit. I don't know why. I was into it. So I, I kind of feel like I should actually rewatch that so I know the full story. But I thought it was halfway decent. <laughs> sure. I doubt that two years later that was still be on there. But. No, but I'm just saying. They, uh, oh, and I also watched on the last cruise. Because um, I ha- the last cruise I went on was January 2020. Mm-hmm. And I swore I was sick when I got back. Mm-hmm. And then a month later, COVID was a thing. But apparently I've never had COVID according to the antibody test. And um, yeah. You're a gold star. I'm a gold star uh, COVID uh, person. But um, yeah, and to get on the boat, I have you have to be vaccinated. And you have to take a PCR or antigen test within 72 hours of embarkation. And... 
when we get to the port to board the boat, we have to take a rapid test. Mm-hmm. So I feel pretty comfortable with that. Like everyone's vaccinated, double tested for COVID within a 72 hour period. I feel like it should be fine. Um, but yeah, maybe I'll watch like if there's a movie like that I can watch on the boat, that'll be the secret movie. There you go. Although you'd have to have ac- access to it as well. We'll figure it out. I'm sure there, if it's on the boat, I have access to it. Um, but yes, there's that. And then for next week, the deep house. Yes. And then we just recorded a video for King Richard. That won't come out next week. Oh, so the only video coming out this week is the deep house and the beta test. Oh, and the beta test with Jim Cummings Mm -hmm. who wrote directed and stars. Right. And edited and edited. Um, we'll probably do Finch when you get back. I'm guessing. Yeah, but that won't be released next week. Yeah, it is. No, oh, the video. No. Our video. Would. Correct. So for next week, it'll be the Deep House and uh, the Beta Test. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think uh, that's all I have. Okay. I have a quote from <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion. Oh, you started listening to her music. What prompted that? Uh, I've heard some of her songs before. Well, you know, like besides WAP, like which is more Cardi than her, but uh, I've heard other stuff. Well, her big song is that classy, bougie, ratchet. Yeah, that's the song. What's it called? Savage. Savage. And I found a remix of Savage that I fucking love that I've had on repeat since yesterday in my own private music video head fantasies. Um, But yeah, no, I don't don't know. I think I posted something on Instagram and used uh, What's New, which is a song I also like. I'm not familiar with her music except for Savage and WAP. Oh, it's fun. She's got a fun catalog. Hood rat shit. <laughs> but I am familiar with her from the HBO show... Legendary. Legendary. And she seems very gay, queer, trans friendly. Yes. And she graduates college soon, I think. Or yeah, she's young. Yeah, so she seems smart and sweet and mm-hmm. progressive. And she's sexy. Very, yeah. So, I mean, she's a winner, baby. I agree. But uh, the the line that I had written down was, I don't shop on Insta boutiques. All them little ass clothes only fit fake boobies. Oh. <laughs> Wait, that doesn't make sense. The, those little ass clothes only fit fake booties? Mm-hmm. I thought the problem was all you bitches with fake asses can't find clothes that fit. I don't know. That's the line. That, 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 all the lyrics from that song I really like. like uh, uh, it's fun. Oh, uh, wow. I can't repeat half of it because she's the N-word a lot in that. But Oh, well. What's her real name? I actually don't know. Here. we. The, I, this will be my contribution to the end of this. Uh, I know she's from Houston. She's from Houston. Um, her real name is Megan Jovan Ruth Pete. You know, not Tina Snow. Uh, she's 26. She is from Houston. And then uh, college, let's see, uh, personal life, Megan, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. She she was studying at, oh, Texas Southern University in health administration. Oh, there you go. Well, she must not have finished yet because she was a third-year student as of 2019. So I'm assuming if she, she would have finished. She do that online now. Well, I'm, her career blew up in yeah. COVID, but good for her. All right. Anything else? Sassy, moody, nasty. Bye.
Thank you.